This is Don Thacker from Imigos Films. You're listening to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast, your one-stop shop for shop-stopping horror plot with a bang, like from a gun or something. Whatever, keep listening. As you walk through the valley of the shadow of hell, you will realize that there is something ahead. Something that lurks behind the dark veil. A veil that is beyond our own comprehension. Beyond the void. What's up, guys, and welcome back to Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. That's right. Today, we have a ultra-special episode, and we have changed things up quite a bit for Monday's and Thursday's episodes. So this is part one. We are going to be doing an interview with Don Thacker, who is the director of Motivational Growth, which we talked about all last week. Uh, We did shots, we did the movie breakdown, we did all of that. And he's even going to join us on Thursday. We're going to be doing our Grave Plots episode instead of just today. So today we're going to do, you know, our hellos, our horror shots, and then we're going to jump into our interview with Don Thacker, which was a lot of fun. And then uh, next Thursday, we're going to sit down with Don Thacker with you guys. So you're going to want to tune in on Thursday for us to do a special Grave Plots episode. We won't tell you what that is just yet. But how have you been doing, man? I've been doing great, man. Uh, Not a lot of work lately, but I've been playing a lot of fucking Mario Kart 8. (laughs) Dude, I want to play games so bad. I've been doing, like, trying to set up the YouTube streaming thing. Right. Did you ever get the audio thing? I had to delete the... Because I did a live thing, if you guys don't already know. I did a live thing on YouTube. And it was a lot of fun. Like, I, you know, we had people in. We were talking about, like, some of the news that popped up that day. I played some games. I played... Uh, I think I played... What was it? Who's Your Daddy? <laughs> which is like game. yeah that game is so fucking weird <laughs> and then i like popped on another game i think i even did two unboxings oh yeah live and it was all fun but the worst part was the editing right i had to edit it because i'm a fucking idiot and showed my fucking home address <laughs> i literally go oh check out what we got and i held up my fucking package and it has my address on there. Yeah. And I can't, like, unless I, like, take it out and re-edit it, it's, like, already posted. So I could have downloaded it and done all that, but I was just like, fuck it. So I just deleted it. But you guys are going to want to stay tuned because we're going to be doing a lot of live streaming things just for fun. Some video games. We're going to be doing it mostly on YouTube. I do want to do it on Twitch as well, but we're just kind of mixing it up. So what else did you do? Not much. Uh, really, not much at all. Uh, I went bowling. Uh, actually did well. Yeah? yeah you, usually, what was your score? I broke 200. I think I was 210. Oh. Which is uh, amazing for me because I never break 100. Really? Wait, never break 100? Never break 100. What? 
What? Ever. Yeah, so you'll never have one of those games again. No. For some reason, God was guiding my hand. I don't uh, know. You what, can't break 100? I, I, I suck at bowling, dude. And for some reason, I, I didn't Do say 200 like or did I say 100. You said that you made over 200. No, no, no. Sorry. No, that's, that's, that's a great game. Yeah, I was 200 say. is a great game. No, I never break 100. I think you can get the most is what, 250 or something yeah, like that? I think so, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't play bowling so very often. Yeah, I, I seldom do I. But uh, this one time, I actually, I was throwing rocks, dude. <laughs> I was, yeah? I, I got like a... Did th- you scuff up the... Oh, you mean like... Okay, never mind. I'm kidding. <laughs> Kelly, Don't throw rocks in bowling alleys, people. Kelly actually got a turkey. And if you don't know what a turkey is... A it's turkey, five strikes. No, a turkey is three strikes in three a row. Three strikes, okay. I think I, I need to not drink when I bowl. Because I remember the beginning of the game, throwing strikes, I was picking up spares, you know? And then I started drinking, and then that shit just went downhill. It got off. so bad that I did... Like, you ever watch uh, Parks and Recreation? Yeah, but I don't know what you mean. What do you mean? There's a there's an episode where the Aziz Ansari's character is bowling with Ron Swanson, and his bowling style is so unorthodox. He really walks up to the line, and gets down, crouches down, and like throws the ball between his legs. Okay. <laughs> so I was doing that, and I was actually doing quite well. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> yeah. Dude, did they have the like gutter rails? Yeah. <laughs> no. Were you like didn't. doing a kid style? Like what? <laughs> Hey guys! <laughs> but uh, I was actually doing quite well like that. I stopped after a while because after a while I just started throwing shit. But, uh, did you get that drunk? I no, I just got a little buzz, but it threw my game off. I think. What about you, man? Uh, I man, I've just been this week has been kind of busy. I'm still sick. I'm fucking tired of being sick. Yeah. I keep coughing up shit. Is it all on your head kind of thing? Congested? No. I mean, I do get nauseous spells sometimes, but like it's mostly in my chest. Yeah. And it's like, I smoke too. I shouldn't, but it's like my break away from work. (laughs) (laughs) So it's hard not to smoke. Like you smoke inside, so you're always smoking. But me, I have to go outside. I'm like a lab rat or something. It's like when I wake up, I have my coffee. Um, I have my serene time, I call it, with my with my dog, Murray. You, like, meditate? Bill fucking Murray, by the way. And, uh, no, it just seems very serene. Okay. So I go out there, and we're both, like, on the back patio. I'm drinking my coffee and smoking a cigarette, maybe checking my emails and shit. And then Murray's just sitting there with, like, the wind blowing against his hair. <laughs> it's very regal. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. This is, this is, like, my thing. And if, if I don't have that, it's kind of awkward for me a little bit. And for him, too. So. Right. But I think it might be that time. Holy shit. Horse shots! All right, guys, so what we're going to do is a special shot we're calling the Amaretto Kamikaze, uh, because we're doing something stupid. We're going to do basically a kamikaze shot with vodka, lime juice, triple sec, and a touch of uh, Amaretto. Wrong (laughs) Kazi. Maybe we could do something with actual Cosby. (laughs) No, 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 nothing with Cosby on this show. (laughs) Well, then you put the rape pills in the, like, fuck no, man. I'm not going down that route. Nobody's going to drink that, nor will they listen. They'll be like, uh, Cosby. Oh, man. So sad, man. I grew up with that guy. I did too, man. Anyway, so we're just going to do an amaretto kamikaze. 
what we basically do is pour all that in there. Why don't you go ahead and start setting up the shots here, Patrick? Here, here we go. go. So go ahead and pour in the vodka. We're going to fill that up about halfway. And then we're going to go ahead and pour in the triple sack. Now, you don't want to fill it all the way up to the top with, yeah, just about that much. And then grab the other bottle. Hold on. Let me get some of this. All right. Yeah, put some lime juice in there. Should we put the amaretto in before it or after? It doesn't matter. I guess it doesn't. Just put the amaretto in. Fuck it. There we go. Just a little bit. Nope, that one's a little too much. You're <laughs> yeah, really bad try, at this. I try my best. All right, and now for, what are we on now? We're going to do lime juice now. Lime juice? So just pour. This is squoze. Yeah, just put a little bit of lime. Not a squeeze, but a squoze. I'm sure the amaretto is going to throw it way off. Oh, yeah. I don't know. What, ugh, I'm not looking forward to this. I don't know why. We're. I'm sorry, guys. We're, we're you know, we, we try to do our best. It's mostly, you just want to see the car wreck, guys. You're at NASCAR right now. You just want to. You want to see that tire come off the car and yeah, just go into wanna, the crowd. Yeah, like in fucking Final Destination 2. <laughs> was it 2? No, it? 2 was the highway It was 3. It was, yeah. was it 3? Anyway, cheers, motherfucker. Salute. I don't want to taste it. Ugh, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Ooh. I don't think the Amarota works well with that. It's not horrible, but it's. Ugh. It's like that one burger you get from McDonald's. You're like, something's not right about it's just that. just amaretto. I don't think amaretto and lime go well together. I, I, I don't even think the amaretto and vodka is bad. Right. Anyway. We digress. So if you guys want to check out what this horror shot is and what it entails, please go to longlivethevoid.com to check out our hashtag horror shots to check out the ingredients. And uh, you can, if you're of age, take these shots. Anyways, that's it for Horror Shots! Alright guys, so now we're going to do a little something different. Normally we jump into our news and Patrick flails around some paper and we act like idiots and then tell you the news. <laughs> I mean, literally, it's pretty... Yeah. We're pretty idiots. But it's fun! Alright, yeah. we're doing fun things! But, uh... So we're going to do a little bit of an interview here with our friend Don Thacka, who we've been talking about for a little bit. Uh, you're going to want to listen to this one. We had a good time talking about just about everything. If you're fans of motivational growth, you want to know more about what Don Thacker is going to be doing with his upcoming movie. We got it all in there, guys. So, And there's some juicy tidbits. There really the is there. some really juicy tidbits into this. And if you want to listen to the full interview, check out YouTube now. So let's go ahead and jump into the interview right now for you guys. Welcome to the interview with our friend Don Thacker, the owner of Imigos Films and the director of Motivational Growth. Welcome, Don Thacker, to the Beyond the Void Horror Podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. You know, you, you did this intro twice. This is the second time. <laughs> the first time, I'd like to point out you called me one of your favorite directors. I feel like we've lost that from this particular uh, take. We can go back. No, no, it's fine. Once more, I think we, feeling. I think we crossed both bridges just now. That's so funny. I think we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> so how are you doing today, man? Great, man. How are you? Awesome. Awesome. Excited to have you on. We've been talking about this for many months, actually. Months. That's I, awesome. I think it was like when we first started the show, I wanted to get you on. 
Uh, well, I think when you first got it was that like horror in pack, August when you got yeah. that horror pack with motivational growth, right? In it, and you were like, you need to watch this, right? Yeah. So I I had to like seek out your D, your Blu-ray because I couldn't yeah. find it anywhere. Yeah, it's it's got a rarity problem. It is a it is a it's not falsified rarity. Trust me, we're trying to get it out there. It's just I had some issues with an independent publisher and a independent distributor, and I uh, we actually we we have some news. We've kind of taken it back, so we can talk about that in a little bit. But Sweet. but yeah, it, right at this moment, it's kind of hard to get if you're not getting it digitally. If you want to if you want a physical thing, which. You know, everybody wants the physical thing. I'm behind that 100%. Well, we just um, looked it up. It is on Amazon right now, I think, for yes. like 16 or something like that. Yeah, and that's 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 going to be changing shortly uh, for the better. There will be more options coming. Mm. But uh, as of as of the last year and a half, it's been uh, it's been slim pickings if you wanted my movie, which was a pretty shady place to be for an independent filmmaker. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever think you're going to put like a special edition of it out? That's what I would love to talk to you about that. Ooh, in fact, if, let's if do you it want right to talk now. About that now. We can do it. Okay, so check it out. Exclusive. Nobody's heard this before. Uh, we're looking at June. I'm hoping it's June of 2017. We're going to release a VHS big box copy of Motivational Ooh. Growth uh, with a download code. So when oh, you buy wow. it, you've got your VHS. You can keep it. You never have to open it if you don't want to. If you want to just collect it, uh, if you don't have a VHS player or whatever, it's going to have a bunch of special features, uh, extra stuff you can only get on the VHS, and you get a digital download code for the film. Uh, through Devolver Digital uh, Films, which is awesome. pretty awesome. So you you never have to like use it uh, if you don't want to. If you do have VHS though, it's a special master just for the VHS with special stuff at the front and back of it. So uh, we're going to be releasing that soon. Uh, there will be lots of news on the Twitters and the Imagos uh, Facebook as well as the Motivational Growth Facebook page, which has been dormant uh, for for two years now. So that'll light up. Yeah, not uh, after this interview. It'll be just blown out of the water. Just like, yeah, it's, yeah. like six or seven. Dude, I'm like, five, it'll be incredible. I'm wetting my pants. I'm sorry. This VHS. Thing <laughs> yeah, he likes to amazing. collect VHS. I, yeah, I collect VHS. Well, I do too. But... Exclusive art. It's it's going to be a pretty awesome tape, man. The ta- we're looking at uh, the tapes. Were, uh, we're, t- we're talking to our, our VHS uh, uh, distributor right now, and we've got like all these like we can, we can get like green tape with like special. Oh. It's going to be pretty cool. That's uh, awesome. We're, it looks like we're going to print in in June if uh, if all goes well. Like most things in the indie film world, uh, that could be outdated in two weeks. But right now, it's awesome. looking like June VHS release of motivational growth with a bunch of extra stuff on it. You and then, like, of course, a, a special edition Blu-ray as well. Right. We're, there- we're looking to get a Blu-ray pushed uh, with a special edition as well. Uh, we, we've got a couple of leads on some companies that want to – so the thing is I don't want to just release the thing again. It's already been released one time and a bunch of people bought it. What I don't want to do is release a better version for the same <laughs> right. company got for <laughs> – if you bought it for fifteen bucks, you have the fifteen dollar version. Oh, he's that guy. Dollar. That's what they'll I think. Should, I, don't, I don't want that. You know, I don't want it to be that you were you 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 followed me and you right. backed me early, and you're like, oh man, I got this movie. I finally got this movie, and then I release a better one for the same amount. I've always hated that. I hate going to the movie store and getting like the sixteen dollar Blu-ray, and it's like director's cut, special edition, <laughs> awesome. And then like two months later, there's like actually there's the found footage, awesome mega cut with blah right, blah blah blah, right. fourteen ninety nine. I feel like a jerk. So, uh, whatever I do, whatever every every edition that comes out has to be bigger and better. So I've I've got a you know you, there's only so much bigger and better you can do with a, a two hundred fifty thousand dollar independent film. So now I don't know if you mind me asking this. Now I, I yeah. kind of looked up on IMDb and it said predicted budget of like a hundred and seventy or something like that. Is that we, about we, right? We had a we had a hundred and thirty something dollar or thousand uh, dollar shooting budget, and then we put uh, just over. Seventy or so in the back end for post. post uh, yeah. 
then we had a uh, festival run. So the whole thing comes out to be uh, uh, around two, 249. Um, I mean, I've got the actual numbers, but I'm the director. So my, my producer has all the numbers. And I'm sure right. And I'm, I'm, I'm positive they're, they're at least $10 fewer than uh, the $250,000 that it would take for us to get bumped up one bracket in the, uh, the, the SAG contract. So uh, that's a joke. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, no, no. We, we, we just happened to come in around $249,000. Nice. Uh, wow. That's all said. That's including marketing and, and all the other stuff. So uh, all said and done, it was a quarter of a million bucks, uh, cool. which is half of the budget of the feature film that we're wrapping up uh, right now. Really? Okay. Which is in depth, which we're going to get into. We're going to get yeah. in depth uh, in a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, so let me ask you this. Uh, now it seems like I, we watched this. I've, I've seen this movie like five or six times. I think yeah. now, um, are you and Adrian, uh, DG Vian? Why I can never say his name. Sorry, Adrian, uh, Adrian DG Giovanni. Are you guys friends? Yeah. God, I, I can just, never I, I, do I it. I was going to correct you, but I don't want to now. I want you to just butcher the name. Yeah. <laughs> I'll keep it in just for you. It's Adrian Di Giovanni. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're we're professional friends. We're pro friends, I guess. Uh, like we 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 like each other's company and everything, but we're not. I and mean, he's on the other side of the country, so we don't really right. hang out a bunch. But he put him in depth. The movie that we're. We I saw that. Now. He's in that. Uh, and anything I shoot, I'm going to try to get him into. Star- starring if I can. He's an incredible actor. He's like, right now, I don't know why. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's fate that he hasn't like skyrocketed and is way above my pay grade yet. He's, he's, he's producing good stuff, but I can still afford him at that times. And that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not going to say in, in any way that I never I, – I don't want him to take off. I do want him to take off. But, but I want it to be right after he does the next thing with me. <laughs> <laughs> he's a really – I'm really impressed and I'm not just saying that. Like I think he's a very dedicated actor. And he I is. think He absolutely is. He really sells it. Like Oh, yeah. yeah for motivational growth, he gave 100%. He slept on the set for a, a few nights before we started. The thing that really tipped me off was we, we did the uh, auditions in a public library. Really? Uh, oh, wow. I did that for two reasons. The first being it was super cheap. The second being uh, that I wanted people – I wanted to know that I, since I had no budget or very little budget. And when I say no budget and then you find out that I had a, a, a total <laughs> budget of $250,000, yeah. that sounds like, wait, that's like a house. It totally is. But it's not like a movie. Like a movie is like 40 houses normally. So let's right. not pretend that it's a – it's not a lot of operating budget, especially since the shooting budget was $100,000 less than that and no marketing, whatever. Um, and I needed to, kn- to know that the actors that I had for this movie – we're going to be able to stand up to not accommodating circumstances, right? right. We're shooting in a warehouse, not a soundstage. We're, we're, you're in front of a bunch of crew. You're going to be in your underwear. You're going to, there's going to be all this crazy shit happening. And I needed to make sure who I was dealing with were, were going to be able to pull it off and not wig out or freak out or whatever. Or have so to I had do to do 60 takes you know, right, for everything. Exactly. Yeah. We, didn't have, we didn't have 60 takes of anything. Yeah. It's not a, a functional thing. So I, I decided to do it in a public library because if somebody was afraid to, to – to shake up a public library, then that person would, would totally – that person has inhibitions that don't belong on a, on a, on a micro-budget horror film. You know what I mean? So right. uh, the, the, the two winners of that, obviously, Adrian DiGiovanni, whose first question was should he actually take his pants off, which I thought was <laughs> legit, and Danielle Deitch, who screamed bloody murder when I asked her to scream at the top of her lungs in the middle of a public library, which Yake. was awesome. That is amazing, yeah. Yeah, I mean that was – honestly, if you want to – Did you guys get kicked out? Uh, no, no, we told them <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, for a little bit of insight, that, that was 50% of what got her that role. 
Wow. Uh, that's the kind of thing people look for. I think uh, people, actors go to auditions with a lot of like haughty, high-minded stuff about acting and the method and all this. But really, if you've got the look that that the the, the director or producer has like predisposed their character to be, or you've got something that that can destroy that look by by your your own presence. But th- those are big things. Uh, and then secondarily, your just your human being attitude is is like ninety percent of it most of the time. Like that's oh. a like and- when when somebody steps in and they they want to like. They want to carry around the actor baggage. You can you can smell that on them when they step in the room. I don't know why we're talking about this. I'm sorry. No, but but the funny Maybe thing is, it off. makes me think of like how she was puked on. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and how like <laughs> just stoic and normal it was. Like it yeah. was. She was just eating a hamburger. Yep. No big deal. Yeah. No, she she took that for for I think fifty five seconds, uh, fifty five second vomit on her on her face <laughs> and neck. <laughs> You know, I, I get a lot of questions. My favorite question, not my favorite. It's actually the worst question. I hate people for asking me, so don't ask me this question if you mean me. Do you like? Do you like vomit? Oh, you must love vomit. You're super into puke, aren't you, bruh? No, I'm like super not. See, I was sitting there writing a thing where I thought to myself, what would be literally the most uncomfortable thing? What would be something that grosses me out the most? Oh, somebody may be vomiting a whole bunch. So I, I actually have like a massive aversion to puke. So when I wanted to write something that was like super like gross to me i wrote somebody vomiting all over themselves or vomiting all over a girl or whatever the worst thing i can imagine is falling in love with somebody and then puking all over them like that's right. that's dark stuff so you don't uh, recoup from that right no you don't recover unless that person's a magical made-up person that you made up in your mind this one time which you know, <laughs> happened in the which movie. just so happens yeah. to be so, so I, when people ask me do you, do you like totally have a thing for body fluids I'm kind of – I have an aversion to body fluids. But, you know, I was I, – I always wonder why, why people think that like if somebody makes a movie – maybe some people do make movies where it's just like like canonization of the things that they want the most. But honestly, I needed Ian to, to be in a really compromised, really dark position. So I had him puke all over a girl. You know what's funny? There's, there was a girl once. I went on a date with this girl. Our first date, she threw up shrimp pasta all over me. <laughs> what? Hold on. Really? This is not the this is not the cause of this actually. This is just occurs to me. I, I whatever I think of that experience, my my only I, my thought wasn't oh man, girl just puked a bunch of pasta all over me. My my thought was oh man, this this must be the most embarrassed. Like she must be so embarrassed right now. So I rolled with it like a pro. I was just like man, this is no problem. I, I shot off to the bathroom, wiped it all. Out. We were at a, at a at a restaurant. Cleaned everything up. I was there in the bathroom 20 minutes or so. Came back and it was like nothing happened. Like, no, I was – dude, totally. Everything's cool. Let's have the best date ever. It was no big deal. Everything's wow. awesome. Because I don't – you know, if, if you've already puked, you've, you've already crossed the line. There's no you, – you already feel bad. There's No one right. should make you feel worse ever if something like that happens. You know what I mean? That's crazy though. That yeah, and you're such a sport about it. Like right. I bet you that person probably it could have been like something they never forgot. They probably still didn't, but people make mistakes, and it wasn't a mistake. It was a. It was not something <laughs> she had any control over. You know what I mean? It wasn't like right. she it wasn't called intentional. Up her friend She's like, oh, I did the puke thing again, man. <laughs> <laughs> like I had every chance to stop it, but I didn't. Like that's not a thing. So was that the inspiration for the scene? No, I. Uh, it's actually I, the opposite if you think about it, because yeah, like. I, I think it was what it, you know what maybe maybe at a subconscious level it could have been because I thought what would be the the most irra- I needed a moment where we saw that Leia was um, irrationally connected to Ian. She was right. she was a, she was a fantasy person, not a real person. And uh, I guess in a weird way, I'm I, I'm only coming to this this second, so don't don't think that I carried this around with me for years. Uh, <laughs> in a way, I'm I guess I'm inadvertently in 
sort of a selfish way saying that what I did with that girl was really awesome because I made up a fantasy person who would respond positively to being puked on. Uh, when in reality, that's something that, that I did. And I'm in no way actually saying that I'm a good person. I'm, I'm kind of for humor's sake right now. We bring out this discovery in directors, writers, and artistic type. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I just I think that we needed we needed to say that she was I needed you to not believe it I needed you to to question whenever I get bad reviews bad reviews are the best fucking reviews ever man like right. I love that the great reviews if, if you've spent two years three years making a movie and you're bleeding into it every day and it's every part of your life and somebody is like they, it looks like they really tried really hard it looks like they did you know they really put a lot of effort in. Thank you, but yeah, I know because I was there for three years. Like there were there were thirty of us, and we all sweat for like three years. We know, uh, but when somebody comes up with like all the, the fifty things they think is wrong with it, that's awesome because a uh, you get to to find out where your movie's hitting or not. Your movie you can never be objective when you make a movie. You're only subjective, and you're only subjective on the side of somebody who made one, right? So when you're making the movie, you have no idea if it's gonna hit or how how people are gonna respond to stuff. So you've got to pay attention to to your audience. So what I do is I have like a matrix and I listen to like all the, the 50 things that people think are terrible about it. And if, if a whole bunch of people say the same thing, then it doesn't matter what I think. Obviously, <laughs> that was wrong. That was screwed up. But there's also a bunch of people that say a bunch of super positive stuff as well. One of the bigger complaints that a bunch of people say is that they don't believe that Leia character was not a good character because who would sit there and get puked on? And that's one of the few times in which I'm like, bro, <laughs> were you not watching like – that's a fantasy person, man. Like, <laughs> I did that on purpose. That was on purpose. You're not supposed to believe that that person would sit there and get puked on for 55 seconds. You know what happens at the end, right? Yeah, like you saw. Saying- <laughs> you, did you finish after that? Because it's literally like it's it's eight minutes after that. Like after that, it's eight more minutes. Then there's credits. Like. did you actually have a hand in picking some of these actors or was it did you have some a casting person or no we we didn't have any budget for that we we sat in a public library and had people come in and talk jeffrey combs was my first choice only choice i uh i i ran up and down did everything i could to get a hold of him i got a hold of there's like the the full story and then there's the the public consumption story right Uh, but the the public consumption story which is mostly true is we went we went the official route and found as a his his uh, voice agent and talked to the voice agent and did a bid and all that other stuff. There's a, there's a, sort of a, like an internet stalking Jeffrey Combs side to the story that we <laughs> don't talk about too often. But uh, he ended up with the script. He found that the script made its way to him. Uh, but he ended up liking it. Uh, he called me from an airplane, which is pretty neat. Or just when the airplane landed, he'd read it and he was like, I, "I'm super in." So that was a giant win. And as right. you guys correctly stated on your last uh, podcast last week, that he uh, he 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 said that he. He delighted at the the words. I asked him straight up. I'm like, well, you know, I'm no Stuart Gordon, man. Like, I'm just starting. This is – we have no money and I'm sure you've been paid this much money, the, the amount of money for my film. Uh, that's not to say the guy didn't get paid for the movie. He got paid for the movie. But, right. Uh, oh, especially yeah. Especially since he worked three days on the feature. He got he got paid in, in the best way. Uh, I'm not saying that that was negative in any way for us. But uh, no, he, uh, he, he was our first pick and, and knowing that we got him and after we, we taped him – uh, after we recorded him, we knew that we had the movie. Like we had the core. The, there were, there's two characters in the movie. It's Ian and the mold, right? I cast Ian myself straight up. Uh, not myself. Myself and my team. Like we we did. We didn't have a casting director. We were all the casting director. Right. Uh, we we cast Ian. We cast Leia. We cast everybody. Same library. Same same situation. But once I locked Ian and and the mold. Once I got once I got Adrian and Jeff. The movie was. I don't want to say it was easy, but it was easier after yeah, that. Well, point. yeah. It just painted the whole picture for you. Yeah. 
I mean, those guys made a color. You said earlier, I mean, on your your podcast, sorry, you said that, yeah, a lot of it's the writing, but 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 a lot more of it's the way the characters carried the movie. And I, I completely agree with you. Uh, right. I am uh, I direct upward. I only direct people who are way better than me at everything. So like, I don't know. It's a good, way to, like, a good I, way to lead. Yeah. I have an idea and it sounds pretty cool. And people I talk to think it's great. So what I do is I tell you, the artist, the idea, and you give me something that you're like, oh yeah, that's kind of a good idea. But what if we did it this way? And if it sounds better than my idea, bro, do that. Cause I'm going to get all the credit. I'll take that every day. <laughs> I, don't, I don't steal credit for it, but uh, no, definitely. That movie would not exist without Jeff and without Adrian. Those two people, when I got their two voices together, we took, you were correct in your, research we took adrian with us to la and we shot in the same room we shot them adrian and, and right. Jeff together okay because uh, i wanted i needed to know that not only would jeff nail it i knew he would nail it but not only would it sound good but i needed to know adrian was there and he was in right it. i wanted to, to shock him a little bit because he was a uh as far as his his career he wasn't as experienced as jeff obviously jeff had done like 90 movies at that point sure yeah um and I wanted Adrian to get toe-to-toe with a legend, right? And I wanted Adrian to feel the seriousness of this situation. And I also wanted Jeff to play off of somebody who was obviously out of the box, an incredible actor. And Jeff loved Adrian. Adrian loved Jeff. I think they talk on Facebook or whatever. Like, they're they're bros. So once I saw that relationship work, we actually bent the rest of the movie to kind of fit that feel. When when you see Adrian talking to that chunk of mold, uh, you mentioned in your in your podcast that uh, Adrian's talking to a puppet that's, that is getting sound piped through a speaker, which is totally true, mm-hmm. but you saw him responding the same way he responded to Jeff. He kept that stuff. When we came back from that experience in Los Angeles, he'd obviously packed away a lot of that information because on the day he was delivering it just like he did. And it wasn't just that he mem- memorized the lines. He was responding to Jeff. Uh, an interesting note about that is of the like 130,000 lines of dialogue or whatever it is, it's not really 130,000. It's like 15. <laughs> uh, it's like 7,000. I don't know. It's a lot of lines of dialogue. I, every single one of them has been um, modified. Uh, I spent two weeks before the film started going through and uh, crafting the mold out of Jeff's voice. Right. Um, we, we shot three days and you only get an hour 40 minutes out of the movie, right? Uh, so what's really interesting about voice recording is as long as the guy's consistently good, you can shape a character. You can, you, you might remember in wanted how, how, uh, what's his face bends the bullet, you know, right. Uh, you can bend the, the trajectory of the character. I, I, as long as you've got a, a fantastic actor who's given you all, like I would say Jeff gave me the, the marble for the sculpt sculpture. Right. And then he, he sculpted the marble into something incredible and then he sculpted like two or three additional marble sculptures for me. Just in case. Yeah, and then I got to pull the best bits from right. all those marble sculpture, sculptures and craft my own sculpture. And that's So how many what, lines do you think that, that he kind of went over? Like you say about three? He did like the line like five, we, ten times? We recorded or? the whole script. We recorded we – did, we did five I be, five or six full read-throughs from stem to stern, top wow. to bottom, all the way through as though we were in a play. We then went in and did targeted scenes, right? So I would say he gave me five to seven versions of, of everything by default. And then the stuff that we worked on, like we, we really worked for hours at a time, I've got hours of. Like that last bit, the big speech at the end where he's freaking right. out. And that whole speech, we did, I don't know, 10, 12 times. And it's an eight, it's eight, it's an eight minute run from stem to stern. Uh, when, you start, when you start talking and you end talking, it's, a, it's like an eight page run. And we did that for a half a day. 
Wow. Just adding pages over and over and over again. And he delivered, man. He he wouldn't stop. The we had to take breaks. Not to, to break for Jeff, break because of Jeff. He'd be in there making all kinds of noises. He's like, what if the mold sounds like this? And he gave us all these mouth noises and he just kept going. It was, oh my God, it was so incredible. It was the it, best way to start the movie. It if tantalized want. his creativity senses. It did. He, was, yeah. he, brought in, he brought in drinks. He had bagels and he was like sucking on water and bagels and making like mouth noises. And every single sound effect you hear that the mold makes came out of Jeff's mouth at, at some point. <laughs> wow. Seriously, all the stuff that like the gurgling sounds, like when stuff's coming out of his mouth, that's all mixed together parts of his voice. There are a few additions that I want to talk about if you want to get into a little bit later. Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. But there are some interesting secret uh, like Easter eggs in there. Okay. That, uh, my sound mixer, uh, Warren Hendricks, who, who who worked on tiny movies like, uh, I don't know if you've heard of these, they're, they're super independent, so maybe you haven't. Um, X-Men, Days of Future Past. Uh, <laughs> all of the I'm like, wait, what? Tron Legacy. That's yeah. my sound mixer. Warren Those are kind of like more than micro budget. They're like <laughs> yeah. uh, mom's love- basement yeah. budget, right? Yeah. No, those those are those are two penny, two nickels rubbed together movies. Um, <laughs> uh, five billion times a second, every second for five years. Uh, that, that, that guy is our sound mixer and our, our, our re-recording mixer and uh, designer. And he just, man, he went crazy. But what came along with him was a whole library of sounds from other movies that he has licensed to use. So we packed in a little little hints here and there from other movies that you can't really I mean they're to not to give the eye suit you're saying. Yeah. You have to know. If you don't know then you'll never know and that we kinda hope that stays that way ninety percent of the time. So nobody <laughs> says, All right, didn't that's Tom Cruise burping. Yeah, well <laughs> Was it so there was Tom Cruise burping in that? You know the, the Belchy bits from Tropic Thunder? Okay, yeah. The, <laughs> At the very end, when Ian is 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 like lurching toward the camera, vomiting those spores out of his mouth. Right. There's there's the sound of uh, like a leopard vomiting, like an actual big cat leopard throwing up. There's also the sound of a bunch of belches from Tropic Thunder. <laughs> there's all kinds of there's all kinds of shit in there, and it's all like it's all like we have. Well, like, of course, yeah, you did it legitimately. He he, he owns it, so yeah. right. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah. Wanna he, so Don's gonna get him, sued so. thanks to our podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was a fun time. Um, but yeah, getting 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 the seriousness together with those two guys and, and getting them to do it, they shaped the the film. And then every character from there, it all kind of was born from that seed. And once you once you get a hold of Adrian, once you sit next to Adrian and he's talking to you, Pete Giovanoli, the guy who played Box the Ox, right? Yes, one of my favorite characters, by the Dude, way. Oh, man, that guy's such a good actor. Uh, Dude, so committed, man. I'd like, right. to, I'd like to, He's he is the nicest human. <laughs> um, seriously, he's like Scary a teddy bear. as hell, but he is a super mega teddy bear. He is five seven. That's five foot seven inches. That's not right. Yeah, um, no. <laughs> your silence must be because you're shocked. Uh, <laughs> no, no. The, well, you watched the behind the scenes. You already knew this. Um, for those of you who don't, the guy's a tiny little guy. He's built. He's like rock hard built, but he's tiny. Uh, and he's super nice and soft spoken. He came in after he was at at the gym or something, and uh, he was this tiny little dude. And I'm like, the, my first thought was, oh man, like you look great or whatever. But you're like, you're this tiny little bro. I'm five eleven. I'm not big. You're you're a little dude. And he just nailed it. He nailed it hard. He felt like the biggest thing in the room when he started talking. And it was like, oh shit, how do we make this work? And then we went back and we had this moment where we were like, oh man, I wish we could use that guy. As acting goes, he nailed. He was great. He was the best bet. We had all these like meatheads come in because you know, looking for like a giant six foot five <laughs> built dude who can act. I mean, it's gotta there's be interesting. Four, there's four of them and they all are famous right now. You know what I mean? Like, right. There's the Rock. There's there's Batista. Who else is there? 
There's Vin Diesel. Not many, yeah. Not many. You definitely were gonna find one for no money in in Chicago. So uh, <laughs> we got we got all kinds of like bouncers and whatever coming in and they're having a difficult time reading off the page. And by the way, if anybody who auditioned for motivational growth uh, and didn't get the role is listening, uh, I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm talking about some other guy. Probably not you. <laughs> Um, yeah, someone that wasn't there at the the thing. It was just a friend. Since most of these things are gigantic. You could beat me to death. Like, anyway, Pete came in and nailed it, and it was a real hard. We kept watching the tape over and over and over again. I just said, "Hey, aren't we like the masters of time and space? Like, don't, aren't we? Aren't we making movies, man? Like, don't we have absolute control of everything that the viewer sees? Why don't we fake it?" And we called him up, and he literally he said, "You know, I'm five seven, right?" Because <laughs> like the description for Box the Ox, if you look at the script, it's Box the Ox line break. <laughs> <laughs> massive line break hulking line break nothing else that's the only description was he's massive and he's hulking and uh we we, we said hey man we'll, we'll make it work so if you watch the movie he does not look like he's five seven he looks gigantic it's because right. we use magic movie magic movie use, magic uh, yes. yeah we use, we use a lot of uh forced perspective like the first scene you see the dude in he pounds his way into the door he walks directly past ian right he's already right. towering over Ian. he's towering over ian because we're shooting what's called an american shot we're shooting the waist up you don't see his feet you don't see that his feet are like right at the bottom of the frame he's on a nine inch platform and he's walking toward the camera. We have him walk immediately all the way in, fill the frame. So he is two thirds of the frame with a little tiny Ian in the background. And the first line he says is, "They used to call me Box the yeah, Box the Ox, Box on account of that I'm a fighter, and Ox on account on account of the fact that I'm naturally large." So we literally have the guy walk to the front of the screen, fill the screen and say, "Screen and say." I'm a giant dude. <laughs> Nail it home, t- right? Drive it home. Then turn, he turns around and walks back to Ian, and he doesn't go all the way to Ian. He gets a few feet away from Ian, so he's closer to the camera. And if you watch them look at each other, you'll see, if you pay very close attention, they're not looking directly at each other. They're looking past each other because there's forced perspective there. And when he grabs Ian's shoulders, one of his arms is, like, reaching way out to, like, cover the two feet to cover the arm. And the other one is, like, right in front of him. It's supposed to be that Ian's directly in front of the dude. But if you look at when he grabs Ian's arms, it's, it's, a, it's a big mess if you know what to look for. Uh, but if you don't, the guy looks massive. So that's that's a pretty cool thing. But we, yeah, we no, knew. I thought that it, it's not something that most viewers would notice. Yeah. But yeah, that's like it's interesting to think that way because like, have you always like kind of known these little tricks or was it yeah. just something? Yeah, I, I've been obsessed with movies my entire life. So uh, like, literally, if you if you met me and came to my and you've come to my place, you'd see that I, I literally all I do is make movies. Uh, make video games, play movies, play video games. That's Everything you love. Life. I don't have anything else. Like I, I'm not. I don't go hiking. I don't have the fucking like. <laughs> I, I like bikes. Like I don't. Nothing. I. It's movie. <laughs> so, you ask me a movie trivia question, I got an answer. You ask me literally anything else, unless it's like particle physics, which I dabbled in for a small, small period of time. There's, there's nothing. So I'm super into that kind of stuff. So I, I think that aids me in being able to make camera tricks. You said the film was very stylized. There's all kinds of optical tricks and shit. You know when Ian's looking up that, looking up at that door, that giant door in right. his dream. That's an eight feet, 18 foot door. Dude, that was it's, a wow. great it's, it's shot, built, by the way. It's built at an angle. It's built as a giant trapezoid. Uh, the reason you can't see the bottom of it is because the bottom's four feet off the ground. Like it's this giant weird trapezoid that's at an angle, and we shot up his back to make it look like it was this, you know, 90 foot door in front of him. You know what so it reminds kinda, me of? It reminds me of Bill and Ted 2. Yeah. Well, they did the similar thing in the they dream did, sequence. Yeah. No, I, I, I would, I would be lying if I didn't say I was influenced by that. Ah. I, would, I, I often ask if I'm influenced by people like, who's your greatest film? Like, people always ask me, are you influenced by uh, Cronenberg? Well, I mean, I love Cronenberg movies. What about 
everybody like there's, there's all the names, right, right? whatever uh, comes frank to your Hanenlotter, mind or what, you know, i've got a puppet in my movie so is dude it frank i was gonna you, ask frank you about Hanen- that uh i i opened the celluloid screams film festival with frank hannenlotter thank in, you uh, in england because they in sheffield england because they thought we were similar dudes and i hung out with with frank for a little bit we like each other. We, we're Facebook buddies. We, whenever we're in town with each other, we, we, we try to hook up. We've never actually hooked up. We're not the same guy in any way. That guy is like pure New York. I'm like a Detroit bro. Like right. We're completely dudes. Uh, but <laughs> I, I guess since we have puppets in our movie, people are like, oh, man, you, you guys. Obviously, people are referring mostly to a basket case with right. Lauder. But he does like with Frankenhooker and stuff. There's lots of gore and even stuff. brain damage, which we're yeah. going to be doing next week, actually, right, which is an incredible movie. But I just like. I, I wasn't – when people are like, when you were making the movie, were you thinking about uh, David Cronenberg? Well, not really. No, I was thinking about what I, the movie I wanted to make. I would be lying if I were to say that being a guy who only does movies, man, like I, I, it would be the worst lie ever to say that I wasn't obviously influenced by literally everything David Cronenberg ever made. Right. Uh, that would be a, a crazy There's, lie. But I, it, at no point am I – channeling it purposefully or Frank Cannonlotter for that matter. I actually, when somebody, I was on a podcast, a similar podcast to this, only not as cool and super. <laughs> cool was not, so. Oh, keep uh, petting my hair. Don. I, uh, <laughs> I was asked, I was asked, so, you know, you got a lot of influence from Frank Cannonlotter, obviously. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, totally, bro. Totally. And then I was like, what the fuck is a Frank Cannonlotter? And I had to like, look it up. I'm like, Oh, that's basket case guy. Yeah, dude. Obviously I probably, <laughs> Probably somewhere knocking around in my brain is a bunch of basket case stuff, but you know, I, I don't think I don't think I, I thought to myself, yes, I'm going to be very Hendon Lotarian on this particular picture. Like, I just tried to make a movie, man. <laughs> so you're you're so, definitely a big horror fan, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big I'm a big movie man. Like, you seem I, like, like you kind of like lean towards the sci-fi genre. Uh, genre is the kind of movie I'd like to make genre movies. Right, that doesn't mean that's all I watch. Right. Um, I'm a huge man. I'll go. I'll go. I'm in love with movies, uh, but yeah, I, I love. I love all films. I love drama. I love romance. I love romance comedies. I love. I love all kinds of movies. But if I'm making a movie, I don't want to make a movie that describes to you some shit that could happen in your real life. That okay. to me is not interesting. I want <laughs> if, if it's if it's a guy and a girl having a conversation. One of those people has to be a robot, and the other one has to be an alien. Totally like, I agree, man. I just. I don't. Remember that movie? What was it fucking Crash? I think. Yes. Not, yes. Not not the David Cronenberg. Crash, oh yes. Where they have sex outside of vehicles. That's yeah. incredible. <laughs> I'm talking about the 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 terrible depressing one where oh is that the one about Bullock the drug racist and, and racism? Falls, yeah. Okay. She falls down some stairs and she stops being a racist or whatever. Like <laughs> I, that's. I'm sorry, man. That's some shit that happens in real life. I don't want to watch a bunch of people be racist assholes. Like that's 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 not interesting. If one of them turns out to be a robot from the future, I'm in. But until then, uh, I, See, I'm not going to make that movie. I'll watch that movie once or twice or whatever. But I'm definitely <laughs> not going to make that movie. I got to make a movie right now on my screen. I, I got my these monitors. I got big 27 inch monitors. I, on one screen, I've got a still from Dread 2012, which is an incredible feature film. And on the other screen, I have RoboCop. Nice. nice. Yeah. Of course, RoboCop, because RoboCop is a perfect film. Help me at <laughs> yeah. the very end. Yeah, dude, that's that's incredible when the dude gets splashed everywhere. Yeah. But, uh, 
I, I want to like Robocop is 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 a a perfect film. It might not be your favorite film, and it might not not be the best film in cinema history, but it is absolutely a perfect feature film. Anyway, yeah, I'm into the sci-fi uh, stuff. I'm into genre stuff. I'm into. I, I want to make a werewolf movie, but I can't. I hate fucking werewolves, so it's it's hard to make a werewolf movie. <laughs> well, what's the, what's the interest in the werewolf genre? What, why would you? I love use- the wolf transform. I love the fantasy sort of lore of having a. I think okay. So listen. I'm going to say something really divisive, I think. Uh, I think the werewolf, the modern werewolf, is, is an, a, an identifiably American monster. I think it's, it is a distinctly American monster. I know that the werewolf is not at all originally an American lore. I know that lichen, like lycanthropy and all this, this is all Eastern European stuff. This is right. some bro goes off into the woods for a couple days, probably shags a couple ladies down the, the, the block for some money, comes back a few days later all disheveled, and his wife's like, hey, bro, what's up? And he's like, I don't know. I guess I turned into a wolf or some shit. Yeah, um, something happened. I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do some shit. It's probably right. a wolf. I probably was a wolf. I, I understand that that's, that's the history, but I think that there's this sort of like gothic American idea of like the the American woods, right? Like the the sort of like I love American Werewolf in London, but really the American part was what sold that movie. The rest was a bunch of English people saying a bunch of like stereotypical English shit that Americans <laughs> think a bunch of English people say. Right. You know what I mean, like like don't go out into the moors. Like that. That's pretty much the movie outside of the American Werewolf part. Um, I really think. The, the werewolf is a it has at its core an American story, and that's that's one of sort of revolutionary metamorphosis. Okay. Okay. I, yeah. 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 I think that there's 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 an opportunity to, to to do a werewolf movie that that's not the our traditional werewolf movie, but it has to have all the stuff. I want to transform, right? I want there to be a, a way to kill the werewolf. I want there to be all the stuff that we want. I just don't. I'm I'm not attached. As as cool as Robert Picardo is, man, the the howling. Howling isn't the best. Uh, well, for me. I mean, I think the only way that you can kill a werewolf is by pushing him on a window with a stick of dynamite. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like I like I like Dog Soldiers. I thought that was pretty neat. Dude, that's a great but, one. That's a great movie, but I it doesn't it has it's British again, right? And oh yeah, it's not scary necessarily. It's not. It's, yeah, it's I, just right. fun. Well, weren't they talking about doing a sequel to uh, What We Do in the Shadows, but yeah. with the werewolf side? Yep, which yeah. is cool. It's cool, but that's not me doing it, so I can't, you know. <laughs> maybe you right. should get in part of that. Yeah, maybe you should Dude, start light the fire, it. man. There, there's a thing. There's this mis- misinformation. People think that indie filmmakers, like, we make a movie, so, like, everybody's talking to us about movies. I got a manager. I got a publicist. I got all those things. I also got literally nobody calling me. Um, <laughs> I'm going to meetings and stuff, but those are meetings I'm putting together. Those oh, you just got to call them, man. It's easy. Yeah, no, there's a it's not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just call them up. <laughs> Hey, we got you, so... No, I'm kidding. (laughs) What does that tell you about my career, bro? I'm joking, I'm joking. You guys are the best. I gotta ask you something about Box the Ox and bring it back to this, because the part with the chimp and the arm thing, like... What the fuck, Don? That was some like, amazing. And that, I, I mean, that it's is. amazing. I fucking love it. And like you said, I love, absolutely love when people push something in your face that's so uncomfortable yeah. and so like, I mean, and I explained it in the in the podcast just this past week about how I've, everybody knows that friend. Yeah. Is that along the lines of why you may have thought of that or? Actually, I, I don't I don't have that friend. I've never really? had that friend. Yeah, no, I'm I'm happy to hear that that's like a real thing that wow. I wasn't completely off. But what I tried to do was back into that. Recognize, dude, I've got like four friends. I, I live in a movie world. I'm looking at a picture. Of, <laughs> I'm looking at a picture of fucking McCready from uh, 
from the thing, thing right now. I yeah. feel you, Don. I feel you. Like that's, I'm not living in the real world, man. I'm, I'm a movie dude. So um, I tried to back into a situation. What I wanted to convey to the audience was two things. First off, Box was kind of a simpleton, but there's something going on in there, you know, something deeper than, than how simple he is. Secondly, I needed him to be fucking terrifying <laughs> because he's also incredibly funny, right? But I wanted something inside of you to go, oh, shit. Like, what he said was funny, but it's also the scariest fucking shit. <laughs> so what I tried to do was the chimpanzee's arm angle. That's a that's a two-pronged attack. I start with, what if somebody brought up to you something completely shocking as though, as though it's a normal thing to do, right? <laughs> His question isn't, like, have you ever imagined the terror of breaking a chimpanzee's arm? No, no, no. He was like, you ever break a chimp's arm before? Like, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's something you actually... Like, who asked like, that, first of all? You, like, it's an everyday Monday Prometheus? thing. Like, hey, hey, dude, you seen Prometheus? That's the kind of question you ask. Hey, bro, you ever, you ever run out of hot dog buns and use a fucking piece of bread instead? Like, that's kind of a question you ask your friend. You don't ask your friend <laughs> if he's broken a chimpanzee's arm before. And so... <laughs> Once you hit him with that, boom, that's that's attack one. Now you got, and he, then he's going to explain what it's like. And what it's like is obviously terrifying, right? So I went and watched a bunch of chimpanzee fights to see what chimpanzees sound like. Are you serious? Like. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, went, I looked up a bunch of chimpanzees killing each other. And they, they make this scream, this like multivocal scream where it sounds like a bunch of people screaming at once. It's like really loud and really fucking shocking, and it's it's like nothing a human being does, right? Like no human, every human being, even a, a human being being attacked, has some innate subconscious built-in uh, inhibition, right? Right. A chimpanzee getting murdered has no inhibition. It is an it is it is the most it is disturbing. Now all of your listeners are gonna go like look up chimpanzee. <laughs> right, I know. Well now um, I'm like picturing it in my mind. Yeah, it's so. terrifying. And then I thought, well okay, cool. That's pretty terrifying. Why don't I describe that? But but let's let's do attack number two. Two pronged attack. Attack number two is let's justify it. Let's describe it with something even more horrific as a throwaway line. Right? It's <laughs> not just like man. one sound, it's like a hundred sounds. Uh, it's like a hundred screams all calling out in some terrifying, terrifying song. But but how he justifies that is, is, is it's not one sound. It's a hundred sounds. It's like when you light a church on fire with a, the broom handle, handle stuck in the door. Right. It's not yeah. one sound. It's like a hundred sounds all calling out at once. So the, the idea is not only can he nonchalantly say you ever broke a chimp's arm – he talks about lighting a populated church on fire. On fire, yeah. Like, like it's just some shit you do on a Tuesday. Yeah, just eating some <laughs> potato chips. No big deal. Right, and I wanted I wanted that to be deeply unsettling, and I wanted the whole thing to be said as a comedy beat, right? Because that's <laughs> yeah. that's how motivational growth gets you. Motivational growth is a growth is a depressing film about depression and suicide, right? Uh, wrapped up in a weird. A weird existential bow. Like, yeah, existential bow, and so too like it sold to you like it's comedy. It's fucking not comedy, man. It is a treatise oh. on absolute self-loathing, horrible suicidal depression. But there's some funny bits, and uh, if you'll notice, immediately after that bit, every time I wrote something horrific, I always cut it with comedy. Immediately, comedy. The moment he says, "Once you've broken a chip's arm, it's not so hard anymore." Breaking a man's, you should at that point feel like this guy's gonna fucking murder Ian. Right. Yeah. And that fucking second that moment you hear leia off screen and all of a sudden box the ox is a big marshmallow again he's your best friend he wants to give ian money so that ian could take the girl out on a date and pre preferably get laid like that's where he is this guy was seconds prior 
discussing breaking a chimpanzee's arm and lighting a bunch of people on fire. And I'm starting to realize now that after asking you about this, that I know entirely too many scary people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know a guy like that? I think maybe you I... get on the podcast and call a help. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's why I said that, because it's like, it's the kind of guy you just want to stay friends with because you don't want to piss him off. Uh, I've had several friends like that. I brought you a paper. I don't bar. invite him over, but yeah, dude, that's that's why I asked that, because of that. Pete Jolin Giovignoli is such a cool dude. He's such a softy. He's such a, the nicest bro that I had to clear the set and push him until he got pissed off. Like I had to push him, like physically push on him because he couldn't. He, he would act angry, and you could see it. You could feel it. He could act every other bit perfectly fine, but literally when I wanted him to act like a complete dick, he couldn't get there. Wow. And I had to literally physically push the guy. Uh, we had to clear the stage so that, you know, no witnesses. Um, <laughs> I'm joking. And no, we had to clear the stage so we could kind of open up with each other, and I just yelled at him, and I pushed on him. I, like, fucking nailed him. I was like, bam, bam, dude. Get pissed. Get pumped. And he was like, I'm way bigger than – when people see the movie and they see me get up on stage, I got like a little fucking mohawk and I got like a beard. I'm a bigger dude. Everybody's like, Are you, did you play box? <laughs> like, no, dude. That's... Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that just goes to show you that he's got some acting chops. Oh, yeah. dude, he, yeah. dude is a solid. And you were the good director to push him to that degree at some points too because shit. I pushed him physically at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so – I got to ask you this. I mean, you are working on another film. Yeah. And I was looking into it, trying to find any kind of scraps around, and there really yeah. is nothing. Right. But it's it, it's called Depth. And it yes. actually on IMDb says that it's actually been out since 2016. And I'm like, wait a uh, second. No, nah, see, when, when you register a film, I think our, our producer registered the film. Right. And had a delivery date. So listen, if you want a secret... Depth, it's partially funded by a company called Frictional Games. They created a, a game called Soma. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They also created a number of games. They created the Amnesia series, uh, which are incredible. They, cre they created Penumbra, which is also incredible. But um, we did a series of eight live-action videos for them, ten if you include the prequel ones. Uh, there's eight to ten live-action videos that you can find on their channel that actually utilize footage from the feature film Depth to tell a story about their, their game Soma. It's a prequel story to their game Soma. Uh, mm. And Depth is technically a prequel. It's events that took place before the game Soma, and it is a linear story. These prequel videos you can find online, they, they have some of the footage cut together in really odd, really mysterious ways because it's meant to advertise the game, right? Right. Um, we wrote a beginning, middle, and a narrative story. And that's what's coming out. It's a full feature film uh, set in the world of Soma. But when we delivered the original stuff for them, we delivered on in 2015 their stuff. And then I guess when the producer put together the uh, the IMDb package to get people covered for IMDb, then you, she had to put a date. And I think she put the 26, 2016. Technically, I was supposed to go to festivals this year and hopefully I can make it, but I'm being a, uh, a prima donna director right now and I'm futzing with the edit. Uh, so I, I want troubles. Yeah, the thing is, man, we put so much blood and we, we put so much more work into this movie than we did motivational growth. And I'm not saying we didn't put work into motivational growth. Right. Motivational growth was the most complicated, difficult task I've undertaken in my entire life. This movie, though, only twice the budget is five times the the difficulty, and it's it's a giant cast and giant cinema style visual effects and a bunch of practical special effects and. Alien creatures, not really alien creatures, but creatures. There's all kinds of shit, man. There's like so well, much. 
And, I and, had no clue it had anything to do with Soma, and I oh, yeah. still have yet to play that one yet, and I want to play it through. You should. Well, what's cool about this this particular game and this particular movie is they, they they intertwine. So characters from my movie are in that game, and characters from the game are in the movie. There's You can see a lot of design. We designed a lot of our sets before they actually finished designing the movie, so there's a lot of cross-bleed between right. the, the films, so that's pretty cool. There's also a lot of difference. So you know, if you're going in looking for like Soma's st- Story Zero, you're not going to get it. You're going right. to get a, a human story that takes place in a portion of the station in Soma that you never, ever see. So we, we wanted it compartmental like that. We wanted it to be disparate so that we could basically shoot it while they were making the game. The game changed drastically throughout the course of the making, as all games do. So right. we uh, we were stuck with what we, what we made. And they both are excellent. I, Soma is an incredible game. You should Everyone who's listening right now should pause the podcast. Go get Soma. Get it on Steam. Go get it uh, wherever you can get it. And then start downloading it and come back to the podcast. I'll, I'm already sold now because i, I got to play the game before I play or actually see your, your I think stuff that's probably here. the best way to do it. I think playing the game before you see the movie is probably the best way to do it. Oh, I think they're going to try to sell them in a pack or something. I know that our contract has them able to sell the movie with the game at some point. But since the movie is totally on our shoulders, we're looking to go to festivals at the end of the year. If we can get into the end of the year festival submissions, that'd be great. Uh, but what's probably going to happen is we'll get into beginning of next year festival sub- sub- uh, submissions so that we can get into the, sort of the autumn. Right. You just missed it kind of thing. Yeah. So we'll probably yeah. get to the autumn of 2018, which is better because those are when the genre festivals are all around Halloween, you know? Right. And it's, it's definitely a genre movie. There's there's blood and robots and all kinds of weird shit. I'm glad that you brought it up because there's I've been looking for some games to play and stream live. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, God, what sure I love stream survival. That. Yeah. Stream yes. that with the lights off. Alone with the headphones turned up. I'm the biggest puss with that. <laughs> it's when it comes to games like that, I just get freaked out. Right. Everybody always makes fun of me, but that's that's just those things, man. It's like a whole other interactivity with that environment. It's yeah. it's like you're locked in, and having that ex- that feeling is just so much more scary, especially when you have headphones on. You're like locked in. Yeah, one hundred percent. So I'd like to answer a few questions for you. Yeah, that was a Comic Christ uh, magazine yes! uh, poster. I don't. I didn't know at the time in '91 if Comic Christ was actually a thing. I know that my production designer Ray Deslich, uh, knowing my love of KMFDM and uh, other industrial bands at the time, she uh, she pitched me a Comic Christ thing, and I was like, "Do they even have albums?" And she's like, "Comic Christ the magazine, you fucking luddite." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> there's a bunch of KMFDM KMFDM stuff in there. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff that happened in 1991. You can tell." if you like freeze frame or whatever that's all 1991 stuff it's actually a little ridiculous because people don't have stuff from the present year on their wall all the time right <laughs> right but well we really wanted to sell it because lots of tapes obviously that led up they, they, all the tapes go up to 1991 like all the the audio tapes that's He's the getting... date yeah that's right. Right. yeah right was there a metropolis poster in the background yeah. okay yep. i thought i saw it all right yeah, yeah. Right that's that. i'm glad you clarified that i was like there couldn't have been combi christ like because like, they they're not old enough, but I know he did a magazine. We had my favorite Shriekback album is on tape there. I uh, I used that shoot to get a bunch of tapes I didn't have. Right. <laughs> I'm joking. I didn't even have, I didn't have a, a Just old, worn-out fucking <laughs> yeah. cassette tapes. Jesus. So are you a fan of the industrial scene? I was. Or you I were, okay. Because I was a teenager once. Right. Uh, and so I was trying to channel my 1991, and in 1991 I was – I was about 12 and I was just kind of getting into like anime and manga and stuff. And I was actually first uh, introduced to KMFDM via manga video 
intro. They had this ripping intro to like Ninja Scroll or whatever, and it had this badass KMFDM song. And so I, I had to go looking. We didn't have like functional internet back then. We had like Lycos or whatever. Right. <laughs> I had to find out what the hell that song was, and then I found the band, and then I became obsessed. Well, you seem like you have like a a lot of hats to wear. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's and a lot of people do these days. But I'm just saying, like, it seems like you really are very driven uh, by a lot of these things. So yeah, I I got this I got this weird thing that happened to me in my late twenties. I woke up one morning and I was like, "Fuck, man, I'm gonna die, and I don't want to die. I don't want to get to the end." And be laying there like I just – I'm driving my car or whatever and I feel my the, the weight on my chest and the thump and I feel like I just got hit by a fucking truck. And I'm – the car is veering across the road and I'm having my final few breaths and I think, what did I do with my life? Well, at least I saw every episode of Lost though. <laughs> like that's – you know what I mean? Like that can't be it. My there Star has- Wars collection is top notch. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. I, I totally convinced that girl at fucking TGI Fridays that I was oh, shit. Like I can't, that can't be the end. I can't leave this world with that. And uh, I, uh, I remember a story that my mom told me about uh, my, my grandmother passing, uh, where she said that she was so happy that she was able to raise her kids the way she did. Her kids were my 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 mom and her sisters and brother, and how you know they came out great. And they were having kids and everything was wonderful, but she she it was, she was ready to have her time. Right. She died in her like 50s, her early 50s, right? So she never got her time to think like, I don't want to be at the end. And and like, what the fuck did I do? Like, Alex, I see pictures of you, man. You're on stage, like rocking it out and shit. Like you're doing it. <laughs> you're out there like doing something, right? You, you have something underneath you. I have to have something underneath me. And unfortunately, I've got that on my shoulders. And on the other side of my shoulders, my other shoulder is carrying the weight of not believing that anything I'm doing is worth anything. At right. Anything. Yeah. So like, I haven't done it yet. Yes. I've made a movie. I had a friend come up to me and said, so you made a movie. Now what? I'm like, what the fuck do you mean? I made this shit little tiny movie that no granted. It's not a shit little tiny movie. It, it is the world for everybody who worked on it. It's the world for me. It's my, sure. Obviously my most successful project so far. Cause you know, outside of, my commercial work, which there's a ton of it, it's it's the best narrative thing I've ever done. And I think everything I do, I get better and I'm working, but I think everything I do will always be, oh, but it's just this movie I made this one time. When am I going to make fucking Ben-Hur? When am I going to make some gigantic, awesome, amazing thing? And I'm sure that if I were ever to make something like that, I'd probably think, ah, time to make the next thing. And so I, I've got this like the, the double burden of I need to do something incredible or, I, or it's worthless. I don't know that I'm the guy who's going to do something incredible. Wow. You know, the guy who's going to do something that took a lot of work and that, you know, he gave every single fucking iota of his being to make. I'll be that guy every time. But, you know, whether or not it's the objectively the best thing, I think that I'd be getting a million phone calls if motivational growth was objectively the best thing ever. I do think it's got an incredible audience and the audience has made that movie, made me believe in that movie more than I believed in it when I was making it. And trust me, I'm not, I'm not undercutting how, what I believed in when I was making it. I believed I was making something great, but knowing that I've got an audience that are obsessed with it, knowing that there's a guy out there with a tattoo, knowing that there's people who want the shirts, knowing that the only reason the VHS thing's happening is because a fucking fan obsessively called this VHS company until they contacted me. That's a fucking, that's awesome. You think in your back of your mind, you're like, you just, you want somebody to be in that zone, in that yeah. mindset. And it's like, it just seems so ridiculous because everything around you doesn't react that way. So when yeah. it happens, it's almost very foreign, isn't it? Yeah, it super is. Like you said, you watched the movie five times. Bro, 
you just gave some rando on the internet nine and a half hours of your life. I, <laughs> now I got to carry around the idea that Alex now I owe Alex. Alex gave me fucking nine and a half hours of his life. I hope it was good. I hope it. You meant owe something. me, Don. No, I'm just I kidding. Hope, I, I hope it. I hope it like. I hope you could carry around some kind of value that you got from that movie. You were like, "Will you be on my podcast?" I'm like, "Shit, yeah." You watch my movie, of course I will. I owe you. Like, <laughs> you spent time. You spent money, even though you bought it in a pack, which means I got like twelve cents. Probably, I yeah. Still, I still owe I you. I couldn't get it anywhere else, or I would have bought it. That's, that's my fault. I'm, I'm working. <laughs> I'm getting that VHS. I blame you, Don. Probably one of my favorite things about the movie, motivational growth, was Adrian. But other yeah. than that, it was the soundtrack. The soundtrack was just so amazing. Is yeah. there? Do you ever think you're going to re-release that on like, uh, we, vinyl we actually, or CD? We had a, or? We, we've, we've been working on a, with a label that we we kind of did some deals with and the label got like got a little popular and stuff's going on. And, and it, I, I really think it's literally like on somebody's to-do list. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like seriously, like, I talked to the guy and every once in a while we're like, Hey man, sorry, I missed you. Let's meet up next week. And then next week comes by and we can't meet up. So uh, I, it definitely exists as a, it's been mastered. It's ready to rock. We, we'd love to get it out there. Uh, Alex Maurer did the music for it and she, she did an right. incredible job. It's as I think you guys mentioned in your podcast, it's a, uh, it's Commodore 64 and a, a Nintendo uh, entertainment system that really gives it the 1991 feel. And I wanted it to feel otherworldly and I wanted it to feel like I felt when I was that old. Uh, so that's kind of, that's kind of why that exists. And it's, 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 it's a piece of alone. It's a piece of art. So it deserves its own soundtrack. So we're working on it. We'll see what happens. I have this, this theme for my video games. I have a video game company called Imago Softworks. We're making a game right. called Star Mazer. We actually have two games. You actually completely butchered this in your last podcast. So please let me, yeah, let me, let me, let me, let me. He did, not me. Wait, me did educate. I or did he? He Let said Stargazer. I said Star Mazer. You, you said, you said the, the, the action, the quote is, I wrote it down. The actual oh, game is shit. called comma Star Mazer DPS. So two two major errors. Number one, we have two games, Star Mazer and Star Mazer DSP. And number two, it's oh. fucking DSP, not DPS. Hey, so, I'm cl- not, that's dude, pretty cool. good cool. though. <laughs> you, you, you shouldn't be expected to do research or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. No, uh, hey, so I said that it could one be wrong. Though no. one of them is Star, Star Mazer DSP is a a Turbo Graphics inspired horizontal scrolling shooter. Awesome. But it's also a roguelike, which is pretty awesome. So it's it's procedurally generated. And then Star Mazer is a point-and-click adventure game uh, that has a horizontal scrolling shooter action elements. Oh. Star Mazer, we're still working on. It's been uh, two years now. I think we got like a, a bunch more months left to make it happen. I've got a whole team working on it. We're kicking ass on it. We successfully kickstarted it in 2015. We were working our asses off on this game. Uh, but it's got Adrian DiGiovanni is a voice in it. It's got all kinds of people in it. Um, it's a point-and-click adventure game, just like you, you'd see in the 90s, also a horizontal scrolling shooter. Um, but Star Mazer DSP is available on Steam. Um, it's actually it's an early access. We pulled it down for a little bit to uh, to make some tweaks to it. It's going back up, I think, by the end of this month. Thank so, you, because I, I looked for it, yeah, and I was like, wait a second. I was like, I it's thought in, it was up. It's in early access. Um, if you if you already own it, it's not going anywhere. But we, we, we made a few sound changes and we changed the music and we did a bunch of graphical changes that we were we wanted to make sure they were everything was shored up before we got it back online. So it'll be back on probably by the end of the month if the producer uh, her, the producer's estimates right. But that game you can buy like right now. It's it's a Turbo Graphics inspired 
uh, horizontal scrolling shooter uh, set in the Star Mazer universe. It's actually set like uh, 230 years before Star Mazer. Uh, I'm on that, dude. I'm a Turbo Graphics yeah. freak. Also, there was a there was a question as to whether or not Ian actually travels into Star Mazer, and he does. The titty bar, the quote unquote titty bar, the bar with all the breasts in it. <laughs> That's that was my favorite scene. in Star Mazer. However, however, it's not in the game Star Mazer. It's in ah. Ian's perverted fictional version of Star Mazer. When Ian travels into his television, he travels into the Ian version of those things, right? So right. Uh, he sees so a commercial it's the same artist Mazer. too. Same right? artist, same same okay. environment. That's actually a portion of the. It's called the Holloway Exeter Space Station, and that's a that's a main hub in the game Star Mazer that I've been trying to make since I was nine. Right, so <laughs> th- that, the game was actually it existed in my brain before I made the movie. So uh, he actually travels into Star Mazer, but he travels at first. He sees Star Mazer on TV, right, and then he travels into his weird perverted version of it. Uh, and but when I say perverted, I don't mean perverted like sexual, even though it was overtly sexual. I mean his 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 like messed up version of it, his uh, his his non-reality version of it, the right. Ian version. His titty bar. The gag was like uh, like you said, you recounted the story was my producer said no boobs on set, and she said so not because she 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 was against having boobs in the movie. She super wasn't, but she also wanted to sell the movie. And at this point, we have a puppet. We got Jeffrey Combs. We got some blood. We got we got, we got a B movie budget. Like she wanted to sell something. You can, if you put boobs in there, you're instant bottom of the barrel genre. Like she, yeah, she's like Don. You're really making this hard to yeah, sell this. She said story. you need to lose something. We <laughs> we lose the puppet. We lose the gore. We lose the the non traditional soundtrack. We lose the tits. And I said, okay, cool. We don't need to have any boobs on set. <laughs> Why did you choose Chicago anyway? I I was living in Chicago at the time. Oh, um, okay. I went to LA to do a bunch of film stuff. I was on some film sets. I worked for some a studio for a small period of time, and then I uh, did some PA work and some other bullshit work. And I was told I talked my way into a conversation with a film director, a famous film director. And I said to him, "Man, you're doing it." And he was working for a studio, and I was like the shittest person on the. the I was a coffee getter for a studio for a period of time, and I, I, I cornered this guy in his office. I just like totally the worst thing to do. You never just walk up on a bro and say, hey, can I talk to you about making movies? You know, like I, I, I cornered this dude. I said, listen, man, how what what the fuck am I supposed to do? I came out to L.A. I'm, I'm grueling. I'm I'm on every set. I'm like doing everything I can to make this work. I, I, I can't get a leg up. He goes, well, if you're a PA and you, you're the best PA and you work for, for, for five years and you're the best fucking PA, they're not going to hire you as a director. They're going to hire you as a PA because everybody needs a good fucking PA. You'll make key PA and you'll be the best PA in Hollywood. I'm like, fuck, how am I supposed to do this? And he goes, you need to make a movie. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't have any money, man. I'm like getting coffee for people. What the hell am I supposed to do? And he said, actually – you know what's weird is you're you're in LA. You're in the wrong place to be. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, dude. Everybody's moved to LA to become a filmmaker. Uh, it's super saturated here in LA. You should be in like the Midwest or something. And I looked him dead in the eyes and I'm like, motherfucker, I'm from Detroit. Ha! Yeah, you're like, I just moved from there. I came here. <laughs> you're telling me I go home? So I uh, I decided that uh, I was gonna try to make some money to make my own movie. So I I, uh, I was a programmer for for. Five, five, six years before I was in L.A., I had this fake idea that I was going to make a bunch of money programming computers and I'm making a movie on the weekend or whatever. That was some bullshit. So right. uh, I, I got into a, a rut where I, I, I accidentally got myself into a high-paying computer programming career where I was making more money than like I, could, I knew what to do with, but I wasn't making movies with it. So uh, I got super depressed and I, I tried to get a, 
a better job in a big city and I was going to give up on the film thing. And I moved to Chicago to get way more money than I was making in Michigan. I went back to Michigan to make a movie because, you know, that's what the guy said, looking for the Midwest. So I moved to Chicago and I was almost giving up on the dream. And I had a moment. I had a giant fucking moment. I was like super fat. Like I got programmer fat. Not to say all programmers <laughs> are fat, but you can get programmer fat. Like if, you're, if your meals consist of whatever you got from 7-Eleven on your bus ride in and fucking Taco Bell for lunch and whatever you can fry up the fastest at home uh, for dinner and you sit in front of your computer monitor 20 hours a day, like you're going to get fat. I got computer fat. I got like ugly, horrific fat. And uh, I was fast. Seriously, bro, if you look at like – one of the, the behind the scenes on Motivational Girl, I'm so sick that, that people have to watch that shit. I'm the fattest motherfucker. And I'm not like, I'm not obsessed with my weight or anything. It's just like, I'm not that fat anymore. I look at that picture. I'm just, Jesus, that's the worst. It's like, how anyway, did that happen? I got depressed. I got unhappy. I got right. fat. And I, uh, I, I felt super depressed. And I, I remember standing in, in this, I was making all kinds of money. I was, I was standing in, the, uh, in, in my sub penthouse fucking Chicago loft looking out 14-foot floor-to-ceiling windows over the street. And I lived in South Chicago. So I live in, like, the the, the white person filing cabinet, like the rich white person <laughs> filing cabinet. Uh, I was depressed. I had an arcade cabinet. I had all the video game systems. I had all the movies I wanted. And I just wanted to die because I didn't have – my whole life, I've, all I've wanted to do is make movies. So right. I'm looking out at this guy. I'm looking down at this guy, literally fucking looking down on this guy, this African-American bro huffing across from the – from the, across the bridge to go to the city target uh, to to buy cheaper goods, and I'm he he stops and he looks up at me, and I'm I'm having this fucking like this the most entitled human being moment on earth, like why the fuck am I depressed? I'm in a fucking sub penthouse. I got a job. I got I got all the privilege in the world. I got everything fucking handed to me. How the fuck am I? What kind of asshole am I? To be depressed, I don't have to huff that. If I want to go to City Target, I get in an elevator. I don't have right. to cross a. I don't have to huff a fucking wire cart across in a blizzard. Like what? Forget. Uh, I, I'm not saying in reality forget this. Don't forget this ever. But forget racial inequality. Forget any of this. Literally, just mechanically, there's a guy in the snow, and I just have to put my slippers on and go down the hallway. Like I have everything. What the fuck is wrong with me that I would? <laughs> would be depressed and I realize it's I ever since I was a little tiny baby I had one kind of thing that I wanted to do my entire life I wanted to make movies that's it that's it since four and a half years old I want to make movies so what the fuck am I supposed to do um so the next day I went into work and said bros I'm out um I'm gonna go make a movie and they're like well you know you can't like leave and I'm like I'm gonna go for at least six months if you want me back after six months I'd be happy if you took me and they're like nope we're not gonna fucking take you I was like, cool, man, I'm out. And I cashed, I cashed out my 401k because, you know, I had a 401k or whatever. I cashed that out at 75% loss because I was, you know, uh, in my late 20s or whatever. And I was just like, fuck it. I can't. There's no way. I got I to gotta either pursue the dream or die. Um, and the reason is I think that that's, that's the thing that I can offer the world. I can't – I'm not a brain surgeon. I can't do brain surgery. I can't right. fix the political unrest of the Middle East. I can't fucking stop – white 
like white supremacists from being white supremacists. I can't, one thing I can do, if I can take any amount of privilege or access or anything that I've got and spin it into something positive, that's what I can do. I know I can write something. I know I can shoot a movie. So I can't be a brain surgeon. I can't fix the, the water problem. I can definitely make a movie. And if I can trap something in there to change somebody's life for the better, that's what I'm gonna do. I've had multiple people come up to me after motivational growth screenings and come up, they wait, they wait to the back of the line. They wait to the end of the, the, the Q&A line and they come up to me personally afterward and they say, listen, I don't know if you intended this, but I suffer from depression. And you've shown, awesome. me, you've shown me in your movie what I feel like depression is and I can relate to Ian. And that made me feel good to know somebody out there could relate and, and had some hopes in there. Not everybody says those exact words. There's always some kind of, you touch me, I have yeah. depression. And I, my response is, bro, I wrote the first part of that movie while in a deep fucking clinical depression. I'm trying to relate to you. I'm trying to show you that there are people out there who live like Ian in their brains. You know, you're talking about that like heroin addict looking apartment. That right. apartment is a metaphor, man. That's how you feel when you're depressed. Right. It doesn't matter if you actually have the pizza boxes. The whole world is ratty, rotten fucking pizza boxes and all the terrible shit and nobody, like no, nothing matters and you don't want to stop. All you want to do is watch the same fucking shit on TV and you want to melt into your couch and, and if your TV were to die, you want to just kill yourself. Like that's a, I had this moment I don't want to get all emo or whatever. But I had this moment where I was super depressed. I was living in LA. It wasn't working. I was living with a roommate and I was only renting a room. I wasn't renting the apartment. I was renting literally like a like a 100 square foot space. Nothing space. I was renting yeah. like a bedroom and I couldn't – I wasn't allowed to use the – there was no common area. I was allowed to move in and out for the common area at only given times in the day. I, I wasn't even really? allowed to go out there. Yeah. I was super depressed and I, I wasn't making it. I thought I'd, I was young. I was super young. I was in my early 20s. I thought I'd make it to LA and everybody would you, – you get to LA and they're like, oh, what do you want to do? A filmmaker? Here's a job or something. That's not a thing. That's that's an ignorant Midwestern thought, man. You right. go to LA and you're going to make it. And I, uh, I got there and it was just – I wasn't making it. I was working my ass off. I was getting paid nothing. I couldn't pay rent. I couldn't buy food. I slept under a bench for two weeks. Like I just – it was the worst. So – I was super depressed. I'm living in this fucking 100 by 100 square foot bedroom in the middle of the night in my fucking underwear. I would sneak out at 2 a.m. and turn on her television. I was with this lady. I was renting her house. I turn on her television and like hope she wouldn't hear that I had her television on. And I watched movies in the middle of the night because I didn't have my own TV. I didn't have internet. I didn't have anything. And I'd fucking watch this television in my underwear because if I opened up my closet and I got my belt, to my, you could hear it. And I didn't want to like wake anybody up. So I like tiptoed out to the living room. And I, at one moment I thought I'm sitting on the floor cross-legged next to her couch. I didn't want to sit on her couch and like mess anything up. Cause if I did, you'd know I was out there. Right. And I'm watching her fucking, I'm watching Telemundo. I'm watching this like Mexican B guy or whatever at 2 AM. And I thought to myself, <laughs> I had this actual thought. If she came out and caught me and like kicked me out, I'm going to have to kill myself. Like everything, like I, I'm, I'm at the end. I don't have anything anymore. I put it you all You had online. to do something, right? Yeah. And so I, uh, I wrote that down. I wrote that down in my big book of like shit. Like everybody, every writer has some kind of element where they're recording some kind of like, these are thoughts I've had or whatever. And at that time I had these little Moleskine notebooks. I'd write down this dumb little ideas I had. And there's thousands of stupid shit in there. But that was an idea that I had. It was like, if I lose this television, I'm going to die. Uh, I also, I went on this, uh, inadvertent date i put up an online profile to be a chess tutor there's a site where you would like fill out a profile and people would pay for you to tutor them it was like a, it was really like a, 
Yeah, but it turns out that's not really a thing. It was a, a hookup site, but it was like you couldn't have those, so it was under the guise of this tutoring thing. So I would signed up inadvertently for a hookup site. <laughs> uh, I had no idea, and I went to tutor this dude in uh, chess. So I went to the sushi restaurant. He bought me lunch, which I thought was kind of odd. But it turns out, like, we were, you know, it was going to be the hookup. Uh, when I say hookup, I mean, dude wanted to fuck me. Um, <laughs> I was not <laughs> – this was not my plan. I plan on teaching a dude chess. Chess, um, yeah. So he, he goes, you want to get high? And I'm like, I don't – I've never done a drug in my life. I don't – no is the answer, I think. No, I don't want to get high with you. Thank you. I very much appreciate it. So he went off to the bathroom and got super high and I ate the rest of his sushi because I was really hungry because I hadn't eaten in a couple days. He comes back and he says to me, you ever – he's super high. You ever get the idea that the caulking in the bathroom – is talking to you. Oh, wow. And, and I was like, fuck no, but I'm writing that down. <laughs> so I wrote that. So I got this book of stuff. And so the story of the origin of motivational growth, if you want to bring it back to the movie and not just my rambling bullshit, I was pitching my movie. And the movie I was pitching is a movie called Flexure. It's a science fiction movie. It, it takes place in a, in a particle physics lab. Uh, it's about these scientists who fold reality and they, they kind of smash reality on itself and one of them becomes a building and all this crazy shit and one of them has sex with the building. It's this crazy out there uh, science fiction like Beyond the Black Rainbow kind of thing. Right. And yeah, I, uh, that's good too. Though. I really wanted to make a movie like that and I'm trying to sell this movie instead of motivational growth and I finally got – everybody's turning me down. I've, I got a little bit of an investment and I meant to talk to somebody else and this person said, no, we can't give you the money for your weird fucking science fiction movie about a guy having sex with a building. But, <laughs> but do you have anything else? We like your energy. We like your, your magic. Do you have anything else? And I said, yeah, of course I do. And I totally didn't. It was the cheapest thing I had. I said, do you have anything else, anything cheaper? So I, I went home immediately and I went through all my stuff and I found, you know, what can I do? I, I need a movie that's cheap. How do you make it cheap? Well, you make it one location. You make it one guy. Uh, do I have anything about one guy? Well, I have a depressed guy who wants to kill himself because his TV, he got his TV taken away. So that's 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 one guy, right? And like, who, who can be the uh, the bad guy? Well, I have this other story about a guy who thinks the mold, or sorry, the caulking is talking to him. Oh, and then it starts to form, right? And then you spend a couple days grinding that until you come up with, you know, your, your, your skeleton. Then I pitched that idea and then they, they gave me money and then I had to figure out how to make it work. It. It's <laughs> funny how all those little pieces just kind of come together sometimes though. Yeah. I don't want to make it sound like I just made a bunch of shit up. I spent a long time writing that movie. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. I don't doubt that for a second. I, mean, but I, I put everything I had into that movie uh, at the time. Luckily when you make a movie, you put everything you have in it and then it's, it's like working out, right? Like you, you, you buff yourself until you fucking, you can't lift a thing. And then if you if you're doing it right, a couple of days later you can lift a little bit more, right? So right. you come out if 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 you don't utterly fail and jump off a fucking cliff when you make a movie, you come out of that movie with with more than you had when you went in. Right. Uh, maybe not more financially, but definitely more as a as an artist. Well, so and sometimes I, it changes into something that you didn't even expect to begin with. All right. I mean, motivational growth is. A, I'm on a horror movie podcast right now, right? Right. Motivational growth is a dark comedy fantasy movie. It's not a horror movie. Why the fuck am I talking to you? Right. Guys? Well, yeah, but it is in a way, in a sense. Exactly. Just... That's so. Let me let me get there. I wrote a dark comedy fantasy movie. I thought I was writing fucking some some IFC film channel bullshit. I thought I was writing something that you were going to be able to send to um, Cannes Film Festival and they put on their midnight roster. I thought I thought some white person was going to come to me with a fucking Perrier and tell me how arty my movie was and how it was an exploration of depression. That's what I thought I was making. Uh, you know what I made instead? A ripping ass horror movie with Jeffrey Combs in it. That's the evolution of art. What I learned from that, obviously, was I have much more genre leanings than I have like arty ass film person leanings. Uh, I 
I learned that my aesthetic, my core aesthetic is more genre. I learned that I prefer genre. So even though I held, the, I told the line that it was this like dark comedy fantasy, you know, uh, like drama movie, it, it, it's a horror movie. And all the biggest response it's gotten, it's got all, it, it went to 33 festivals, won 28 awards, 15 best of fest, and every single one of those fucking best of fest films or film festivals were, were horror festivals. I've been featured in all kinds of horror festivals, conventions, everything. And people love the movie and they're all horror fans. fans. And I, I don't know, I don't have science fiction fans yet. I mean, maybe depth will get me those. Right. I don't have comedy fans. I don't have Western fans. So I can't really speak to this. But I can tell you right now, at this point in time, horror fans are the best fucking fans. Yeah, they, they will really be the best you all day long. You can, as long as you care, as long as you're honest about what you're making, they'll look past the fact that you obviously failed on this shot or, the, you know, the sound wasn't perfect in this scene or whatever right. else. They'll give you the world. And I've gotten so much from it. So what I learned from motivational growth and how you're saying it kind of makes its own world it makes its own identity motivational growth is a weird ass horror movie it's a horror movie that ain't it cool news said unlike any horror movie you've seen before well of course because it wasn't a fucking horror movie so yeah like i'm sure michael mann's heat is probably the weirdest <laughs> fucking giant robot movie you've ever seen <laughs> right because it's, it's, it's not a giant robot movie. um I, I just i think that um the identity of that movie was made entirely by its own obviously its identity but the identity that the fans put on it i would rather it be a horror movie i'm a horror film director because of it the next movie i made depth that is a, a dark dark fucking thriller horror movie set in a sci-fi universe it is i was gonna say yeah it's very horror in a, should, in a lot should, of ways yeah you should, if you see even just watch the soma stuff there's some oh man the soma live action stuff there's it's horror it's a horror movie there's blood and terrifying shit and monsters and everything and it's all it's all because i was brought into the genre by the the fans and the people who define my movie like people like to say that film is a a uh, a an interactive uh, collaborative medium right everybody says film is a collaborative medium and they what they mean is it's not just the director or the producer or the writer making the movie it's 200 people getting all together right I mean, yeah but I think that statement is only 50% right I think all those people who made the movie they made 50% of that movie the other uh, I say who made you, yeah. the movie is the audience, and the audience is like if I can't talk to your 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 if I'm talking to you on your podcast and you don't post this podcast, I've done nothing. I need a <laughs> bunch of people to listen to it, right? And I need people to form opinions, whether they like me or they hate me. They'll define what the reality of of that event was. I'm making I'm making consumable information for people. Those consumers have to exist, and their opinion of that defines it. And I don't care. Right. If anyone has a, I, I, I've, I've had arguments with like hoity-toity, like uh, what I do and say is art kind of filmmaker guys, and it doesn't fucking matter. You can make the, the most arty, like you thought about it so much film in the world. It's going to go on the shelf between fucking Jurassic Park 2 and fucking Teletubbies. Like that's, <laughs> it, it's going to be a DVD one day and it's, it's meant to entertain people. And if you're not entertaining people, fuck you. Step off. Your, your movie should – if you want a movie that says something and changes minds and, 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 and makes people think, do that. Please do that. But the only way to do that in my humble I'm nobody opinion is to entertain somebody while doing it. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure, I, yeah. I, Take them on an adventure. Take take them on it even if it's, it doesn't have to be Star Wars. It no, can be, but but if you want to make a statement, wrap your statement in something that's consumable. Otherwise, you're just you're 
you might as well get on a soapbox and stand in a crowded area and start telling everybody how you think 9-11 was an inside job and Jesus Christ was actually black or whatever else you want to say. I, these are things, by the way, I've heard people yell at me on the street. I don't, I don't hold to or deny any of these opinions. Um, but like you might as well be yelling your hoity-toity ideas uh, on a street corner. To me, communication is an exchange. I have to give you something if, you're gonna, if I want you to – if I want to get something from you. And what I want to get from you isn't some kind of material thing. I want you literally to just pay attention. Right. So to get you to pay attention, I'm going to entertain you. And if I want to slip a story in there, if I want to tell you a story about what it feels like to be depressed and fucking murder yourself, I'll do that. I'll also put Box the Ox in it. And I'll get Jeffrey Combs in it. And there'll be a, a workout <laughs> girl, and there'll be a guy. Well, yeah, it's it's like the movie has some uh, a lot of depth to it, but it's also easily digestible. Yeah, from anybody's standpoint, because we've I, all yeah. been depressed, right, in some degree. So we can kind of relate to it in some degree, even maybe if it's not like huffing Clorox bleach and. Right. Windex, but yeah. <laughs> which is by that way, a real combination? Clorox, I, I by the way, that, uh, a it's, I can't say we. I will not confirm nor de- deny that Clorox brand bleach will do anything oh, negative to you. Bleach. Yeah. Um, it is if you if you mix mix uh, common household bleach and ammonia, you get you get a form of chlorine gas. Now in the film, we we, we talk about how it's the same stuff that they used in World War One to kill people, lots of people, but right. in reality, it's not as potent enough to kill. That that was actual mustard gas. Uh, but you can make chlorine gas with with uh, and this isn't I'm not I'm not like the steal this book slash anarchist cookbook the internet. Yeah, right that's now. what I was thinking. Like, this too, is this I... is this is some stuff that anybody. The reason I know that this exists as a thing at all is my mom accidentally almost gassed herself in our bathroom one year when she was cleaning the house, and she passed out. And we're all like, oh, "What the wow, hell's happening?" Wow. We talked to people, and they're like, "Yeah, you don't. You should never do that. You don't mix." I think she was using like a tub cleaner, like a like a gel concentrated chlorine, and then some Windex, and uh, that or not Windex, sorry, ammonia based glass cleaner. I can't. I don't know that it's actually right. Windex, uh, but that caused some form of chlorine gas that almost killed my mom. So I was like, "Shit." That seems like a good thing to put in a movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a very creative way to right. go out too. Jeez. So I figured, you know, like he's got a he's got to clean up at some point. So that seemed like a good in for him to, to try to off himself. Also, if you have a vent, I remember somebody like the response was like, "Well, how do we avoid this?" And they're like, "Well, there are two things you can do. The first is don't mix those two things together. They shouldn't be mixed together anyway. The other thing is you could turn on your vent." <laughs> so I was I was like, "Oh." Well, I guess a vent would stop that suicide attempt real quick. <laughs> so that's yeah, – instead of, well, and I was thinking about that. I was like, is it just automatic vent or could he have turned it off? But either I, way. I imagine, I imagine it was a vent that turns on when he turns on the light. And if you listen to the sound design, he flips the light switch on or whatever. You can you hear, hear it come on. It's really subtle because I didn't want to like give it away too quick, but it's in there. The sound design in that movie is I, it's way better than I deserve. Um, that movie, <laughs> that, the, the, the amount of money that should that should have cost would have been more than the uh, – the movie itself. Uh, Warren Hendricks did all the the, the post sound stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, we use a very professional studio, the same studio that was recording all of the the animated Transformers stuff that Jeff is also in. We use that studio. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah. To record. So he was familiar with the studio. It was all we were the aliens there. Like we were the non pro like weirdo people from Chicago. By the way, I didn't answer your question. I happened to be in Chicago for working the computer job. Tax breaks were really big, so I I decided to make the movie in uh, Chicago with the intent to leave Chicago shortly after, which we did. Our company, Emigros Films, has moved to Seattle, 
uh, because it's two and a half hours by plane from Los Angeles and two and a half hours by car from Vancouver. And I do work in both places. Uh, so that's how I kind of keep making movies. And if you were to ask me to make motivational growth now, I've done like 40 projects on that since then. So I do like that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, completely different movie, but I'm happy that it's the movie that it is. But anyway, that's why we were in Chicago to answer your original question an hour ago. <laughs> hey, and we're back. No, I'm yeah. kidding. I'll just cut all that middle part out. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Just, just, just. Suffice it to say, Don said some random shit. Let me ask you this, Don. What do you think is a good tip for somebody starting up to make movies or wearing one of the many hats that maybe you wear as well? Okay. Like, Are you ready? I got something. I was recently asked to go to a, a school and to talk to some kids. I scared the shit out of some really? kids. Really? Here's my answer. I, I worked this out. Uh, don't. Don't fucking do it. You're worthless and you can't do it. Then the numbers are against you. Listen to me. Stop laughing. Don't laugh. It's not, it's not funny. The numbers are against you. Every single if you go, if you go to Los Angeles, you are one of a thousand people who went that fucking day to get the job you want. And most of those people probably have some daddy money, probably have no know somebody you don't know. If you're just some random guy, you can't do it. You're not gonna fucking do it. A just little prettier than you. Yeah, they're gonna be better than you. They're they're smarter than you. They're faster than you. They know more people. They do cooler drugs. They're way better than you in every single way. Don't fucking do it. You don't have it in you. It takes more work than you've got in you. You if you thought you had it hard yesterday, it's gonna be harder the next day. If you're afraid of going broke, you can't do it. You're going to go broke. It's going to be the worst. Don't fucking do it. David Hasselhoff did it. You're not David Hasselhoff. Fuck <laughs> you. Like that's that's what I have to say. Also, I have to say that's exactly what literally everyone will tell you the whole time. The whole yeah. time that's all they're going to say to you. And what you need to do is look at that dead in the eyes and say, I understand that you and 99.9 repeating ad infinitum to the end of the universe percent of people feel that way. I don't. And I have to do it. So I think that you can do it. I think that we can all do it. I think the likelihood of us all actually doing it is very low, not because we can't, but because we won't. I think the only way to do it is to do it against every single one of those odds. No, you don't know the guy who knows the sister who's dating the son of the famous film guy who gets you the producer's phone number. No, you don't have daddy's dead money. He didn't die and leave you a bunch of money to make your first feature film with. No, you don't have 6,000 friends who will loan you $1,000 a piece. You don't have any of that. Uh, you, you don't have any of this. You don't. And, and everyone, your mom, your friends, they'll all tell you, why don't you stop? I successfully made motivational growth, and I was told by a very close friend at the time, so you can go back to, to normal life now, right? You did it. And you could <laughs> see that in their, in their mind, that person fully believed that that, that was, the, was goal. the goal. The yeah. goal was to make this one movie this one time. And I, I was like, this is not even the first rung of the ladder. This is yeah. me looking at a ladder. Like you have no idea the, the amount of work I need to go into. And you will, I promise you, if you're in it, if you're in it, you will go broke. You will be, you will beg money. You'll be on the ground. You'll fucking cry. You will hurt. It will kill you. But, and this is a big but, I guess, uh, <laughs> if you, uh, if you, if you work if you work towards something that's that's honestly in you, you have the, every human being has the capability of doing it. I don't think every human being has it honestly in them. Uh, the flip side to this, and this is a giant flip side, is if you want to make movies because you want to make movies, fuck off, step off, go home. 
Right. If you don't wake up every second, Alex, I know you go on stage a bunch. I know something inside of you needs that. Something inside of you needs to be fucking screaming into a microphone at the edge of a stage. Something in you hurts and dies every second you're not doing it because that's why you do it. If you if you wake up in the morning and you think, oh, man, maybe I could watch 16 episodes of whatever dumb TV show and call this <laughs> cute girl and play this video game. And I don't know what I'm going to do with my life today. If that's you, don't Try to make a movie. You don't have it. I'm sorry. Walk home. Uh, if if you wake up in the morning feeling like total shit because you haven't finished your movie, haven't made your movie, haven't written two of your movies, or didn't get the the, the meetings, the people you're trying to get, that's that's the guy who's going to keep going. You have to wake up in the morning yeah. and hurt every second you're not making a film because the only way you're going to make it through the guy with daddy money, the guy who has all the connections, the guy who doesn't have daddy money or the connections, but is just a trillion times better than you and has done it way more than you have. The only time you're going to stand up to those people and get anybody's attention is by bleeding all day for it. I am not the best filmmaker. I am not the smartest person. I am not the fucking be all end all Ambrose Bierce writer. I am not going to change history by uh, the, the the flick of my wrist, the point of my finger or the, the end of the, uh, a pen quill. I am not going to do that. What I'm going to do is bleed. And hopefully before I bleed out, something amazing will come out to somebody. I know that with motivational growth, I've changed a few lives and that is the fuel that's made me move down to the next stuff. And if I can keep doing that, then that's great. But my 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 advice to you is if you woke up this morning and you didn't need to make a movie today, don't try to make movies. I'm sorry, you're not you're not the right one. Ask right. ask your friends who are doing it. They 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 hurt every second. They're they're part of them is constantly depressed if they're not successfully making a film. I know my most depressed moments. I went eleven months without shooting. Uh, the last 11 months. I'm making a video game and because of the requirements of me doing that, I haven't shot in 11 months. I'm shooting something in a week and a half uh, and I am so fucking amped because uh, of that 11 and a half months, I spent three of them on a couch wanting to die. I'm not kidding. I, right. It, 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 it murders me to not be doing this and I, I honestly think that you need that or some analog that's equally as powerful inside of you to make you do it because the competition, those, those people who tell you all that shit, they're actually right. They're totally right. The likelihood of you making it is so infinitesimal. So the only way you're going to survive is look them dead in the eyes and say, yes, I know, but I need to do this. Secondarily, or, oh, go or ahead. just fuck off. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, you can be a complete dick about it. I, I, I support that. Uh, secondarily, and this is the other important thing, but this is the thing everybody says, so I, it's not as special. Uh, go make a movie. It doesn't matter what you fucking make it on. Make it on your phone. Right now, I've got my phone shoots uh, HD. The, the film that I, the, the camera that I shot Motivational Growth with did not shoot HD. So my, right now, my phone can shoot a better movie than, than we shot Motivational Growth with. Uh, so it's a better camera than I use for motivational growth. My fucking, the thing that I use to like text my girlfriend and look up memes is a better tool than what I use to shoot my movie. So uh, it's not better than obviously the, the film camera used for depth. That was incredible. But, uh, but you can make a movie with your fucking phone. You can make a movie with a camcorder. Go make right. some- that's what everybody says, but I think what other people don't say or don't follow up with, and maybe they do, but I, I don't necessarily know. Uh, what I want to put out there that is super important is uh, make make it and know when you make it. The minute you start, the second you write it, the minute you put an actor in front of your camera, know that it's going to be the worst thing you've ever made. And then the next one's going to be a little less worse. And the next one's going to be a little less worse. You know, yeah. It's going to be the shittest. It's going to be the worst. That, man, you'll never see the shit that I made. <laughs> I made the worst shit. Uh, the the you you got the thing you've heard of is motivational growth. That's the first thing I'm telling anybody about. And it was okay. No, I'm kidding. Was, yeah, no, it was okay. <laughs> I mean, it was it was it was a good first outing. I think 
I um, think it was a great first I, outing. Oh, yeah, yeah but, you know, you see some of these dudes, but their first outing is the best movie ever made. And I was like, holy shit. Uh, like De- Dennis Villanova or whatever, that guy. Villanova, like, yeah. His first outing, fuck you, man. I know, right? It's like, why, why am I It's like, doing why this? am I not that guy? Yeah, <laughs> so that, that's the kind of thing. Like, you got to look at somebody. You got to look at the fact that Darren Aronofsky went and asked uh, 600 of his friends for 100 bucks and made pie. Right. And you're not going to make pie. I'm sorry. The likelihood nope. of you making pie on your first go is super tiny. Uh, but luckily, I've actually been told by somebody, I could never make motivational growth as my mo- first movie. And that made me feel like, shit, okay, well, <laughs> maybe you can't. Make something, and it's going to be your version. I'm not in any way comparing motivation, motivational growth to pie. That guy's an according, Academy Award-nominated director. I fucking am not. But recognize that that's your competition every day. Every day you're, you're, you're up against – and I want to say up against. We're not directly competing. But you have to know – that the guy out there, uh, Villanueva or whatever, how do you how do you pronounce his name? Unfortunately, I don't know. He's beating you. He's won. He's won the internet. Fucking uh, Josh Trank. Josh fucking Trank. You got fired from the Fantastic Four or whatever. Not really fired, but like Josh Trank did better than you did. He made uh, Chronicle. <laughs> so fuck off. Like, right. You think you're good. Third third item. Don't shit on movies, man. Don't do it. If, if you try to look at the good in it, you mean? Don't even try. Fucking, it's good. Did you? Is is your movie at the Cineplex? Fuck. <laughs> That's a fair point. Fuck you. Oh, M Night Shyamalama Ding Dong released a four million dollar movie through Blumhouse. Yeah, that motherfucker got a four million dollar fucking budget. Where's your four million dollar budget? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck up. Yeah. Tap off. I just got one question because I, I forgot to ask it before. The girl Leia. Yeah. Now that was that derived from Star Wars. I'm supposed to say no, but it's super. It's super wise. <laughs> yeah, I knew Come it. Come on, guys. <laughs> I fucking knew it. Yeah, I mean that's the most famous name. <laughs> I know because you don't you don't hear Leia too often. Every other every other reference in that movie, there are hundreds hundreds of references. I hope some guy goes crazy one day and tries to figure them all out because every single page, every line of dialogue has a hidden joke every or a hidden you know reference I- or biblical reference or some kind. By the way, I, I'm in no way religious. I actually included. A bunch of religious references from because the whole thing the movie is about death. So I found a whole bunch of death stuff about all kinds of different religions and their beliefs of death. And there's constant references on the walls in the things he's saying. There's there sight gags throughout the entire film. But Leia, that, there's nothing magic about that. It's Princess Leia, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but that's his dream girl, right? It's his dream girl. Of course, it's Leia. Of course, it's yeah. the All right, guys, so that's it for our interview with Don Thacker. Don't forget, if you want to listen to the entire thing, we put it up on YouTube for you all to listen to the whole thing. It's a lot of fun. We talk about video games and a lot of extra stuff. Check that out on the YouTube page now. Uh, He will be returning this Thursday with us to finish up Great Plots. Dude, yeah. And we're just going to throw him in the deep end. Yeah, man. We're going to throw him in the deep end. So it's going to be kind of interesting. Think about it. We're going to come up with a whole plot that one of us gets to choose or will be made up. But it should be fun, man. But that, that interview was great, man. Like, we had a really a whole lot of fun doing that with him. He was so easy to talk to. It was like talking to one of your friends. Oh, yeah, dude. He's he's a very jovial, nice person. You he know really I mean? is. He does have a little... Little quirks about his uh, way people pronounce things. <laughs> well, yeah, damn well better. So I think it's okay. I don't take it personally. No, either do I. But I, yeah, I think man, it's funny. Definitely. Thank you so much, Don, for coming on. Obviously, we'll see you on Thursday. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. We will see you guys this Thursday 
for a brand new episode of, of Grave Plots. Now, we realize we normally do our Grave Plots in the first part of the week on Monday, but we mixed it up. So I hope you stick around for Thursday because it's pretty awesome, guys. It's pretty wicked. Not gonna lie. We came up with some good shit. But uh, thank you so much for coming by this Monday. If you haven't already, please check out longlivethevoid.com. If you feel the need and you enjoy what we do, please share what we do because it goes a long way so that other people can join in on the fun with us. And that's all why we do this shit, man. We do it because we want to express new things to people and have a good time talking about it and meet new interesting people. But yeah, man, had a lot of fun done. We'll see you on Thursday. Later, guys. Have a good week. Thanks for stopping by.